Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. Heather and I are going to talk to you today on the thought of what will you build. And this is really just... um, basically laying the foundation. Um, I don't even know if laying the foundation is the right way to put it. It's just, it's just, we want to get you to thinking about some things this week, and then next week we're going to talk more about the actual, I guess, the meat of the message. Uh, but I'll go ahead and read our scripture this morning. is Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 10, and uh, verses 3 through 5. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So, Father, we just thank you for your word. We just ask your blessing upon this message, God, and that it would just touch your people in Jesus' name. Amen. So the thought of what will you build? Um, a lot of times when I'm, uh, when I'm talking, uh, I'll make statements like that we're all prophesying something whether we realize it or not. There's a lot of people that argue about the prophetic and what's prophesy, uh, prophecy, what's not prophecy. But the bottom line is that we're all prophesying something. Our words are that important and they're, they're powerful. Uh, a lot of people argue about what's the right way to worship and what's okay and not okay music-wise and other things, but the truth is is we're all going to worship something. It's our choice what's that, uh, what that's going to be. It doesn't matter who you are, you're going to. And we're all going to partner with someone. And it's our choice if we're going to believe God or if we're going to believe the enemy. Which one are we going to partner with? And so this kind of goes along with those same lines because we're all going to build something. And that's what we want you to think about this week, giving it thought that you are building something. The question is, what will we build? And so in the, the scripture that we just read from 2 Corinthians, the Bible tells us about our weapons. And it and tells us what they're good for. And so since it says that what they're good for, this also lets us know how the enemy is going to come against us. Because we're not going to need that weapon unless we're going to need to use that weapon. If we're going to have to use it, it's going to be against the enemy, not against each other. So if, if it tells us what these weapons are good for, it, it talks about how it's uh, bringing every thought into captivity, uh, casting down imaginations, uh, casting on every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So this lets us know, this tells us that the enemy is going to come against us in these ways and that he's going to try to deceive us. He's going to try and come against us in our thoughts and in our imaginations and speculations and in these high and lofty things. 
And Aaron's going to give some examples of those three things. Um, but in the Amplified Bible, this scripture that we went over kind of stood out to me. It says, the weapons of our warfare are not physical, weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Now, I think sometimes we struggle a little bit as humans just by what we see. That's, that's kind of what our focus always is, what we see, what our senses tell us physically. But if Paul tells us something about the destruction of fortresses, now, if you look around you right now, you don't see a bunch of fortresses around us. So he's not talking about physical fortresses. He's talking about things in the spiritual that we are constantly building as fortresses. And they're going to either be for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of not God. (laughs) So when he talks about that, that is something that we have to realize whenever we are using our physical eyes, we need to use our spiritual eyes and see the way that the father would have us to see. Because brick by brick, thought by thought, action by action, every single person in here Day to day, encounter by encounter, we are building things. So whenever you think of that one person, I know that probably at work, everybody has maybe a specific person that you feel like is the source of all your angst. I don't know why I just looked at Aaron when I just said this. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That is COVID brain fog. We'll just blame it on that. But you think about that one situation, that stressor, you want to project on a person, but it is not a person. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Remember that. It's against principalities and powers, and we always have to remember who we really are. It's like what Michelle was talking about last week with the emotional wounds. A lot of those things are spiritual forces, uh, fortresses that have been built up over years where hurt has happened. And uh, uh, we talk a lot also about changing the way that we think, but Paul doesn't just say to change the way that we're thinking. He says for us to use these weapons that we've been given and to use these weapons to not just change the way we think, but to tear down and destroy the spiritual fortresses that we've been been building by entertaining the thoughts from the enemy. Right, the because wrong so long we've been passive. That's kind of the problem is that we just wait for things to come to us instead of realizing that we've been given weapons, not just to counteract attacks of the enemy, to actually go forward and create those attacks for the kingdom of heaven also. Yeah, so what are these thoughts and imaginations and these high and lofty things? Well, uh, they're actually kind of simple. Uh, first thoughts, crazy thoughts. We all have crazy thoughts that run through our, our minds. And... Um, Maybe this has happened to you, but uh, have you ever been driving down the road and maybe you're going across a long bridge, um, a really high bridge, and you had just have this thought, what would happen if I just turned this car and went off the side of this bridge? Have you, has anybody ever had that happen to them? And uh, sometimes it's so real, you even grip the steering wheel a little bit tighter and think, then think like, what is, you know, or, or the same, you know, you just have this just weird thought that runs through your mind. And, uh, and it happens to everybody. And uh, then you have these imaginations or speculations. That's, that's what-if questions. And they're always bad. They're never the good what-if questions, like what if you would have won that one point whatever billion dollars last week in the lottery? It's always the bad ones. You know, what if, uh, what if the kids are late because there's been a car accident and one of the kids are dead? What if, what if this uh, headache I'm having all day is an aneurysm and not just a migraine? What if, just whatever, what if, what if this is happening? What if the, and it's always, it just keeps growing and getting worse and worse scenarios in our, in our minds. And then it develop into high and lofty things, which these are philosophies that, that make us feel like the devil's so big and powerful and that our God is just small and powerless. And it happens easier than you think because sometimes you don't even realize it's happening. 
And sometimes even in the church, we make statements that we think are statements of faith, but they're really not. Um, I've done this one a few times, but maybe uh, you, you're believing for something. Maybe you've been praying for something and, and you get another bad report and another bad report. And it gets to the point that you make the statements that well, all we can do now is pray. That's not really a statement of faith when you say it like that. Because the truth is we still get to pray. Not all we can do now is pray. That's a statement of saying that you're defeated and all hope is lost. That's not the way that it's uh, supposed to be. But see, sometimes you don't even realize it's happening and it can be a very fine line between faith and fake. And we need to realize that and, and, and make sure that we're building the right things in our lives and not building the wrong fortresses in our belief systems. And uh, in 2019, Heather and I got to talk to Stephen about this uh, some. We have a, uh, a volleyball player that we used to like to, to follow, and uh, he was only 25 years old. But he was from the East Coast, which was, uh, it's becoming more common now that not all the great players are from California, but, but usually most of the good players are from the West Coast. And, and so we enjoyed watching him play because sometimes he would even stop through Wilmington on his play uh, when he was playing and uh, play in local areas. But um, at 25 years old in 2019, he decided uh, life wasn't worth living anymore. And he, he uh, knocked the window out of the 29th floor of a hotel room in Atlantic City and jumped to the uh, parking lot. And uh, he was there for a big volleyball tournament. And so uh, when the news came out, none of us could believe it. And uh, Stephen came in the bedroom, and he was just saying, you know, Mom, Dad, I just don't understand it. I don't know why this guy would make this decision. He, had, he just won Rookie of the Year two years earlier. Uh, he's playing volleyball all over the world. He had been playing snow volleyball somewhere. I don't even know where that was at. He had uh, uh, just doing all kind of stuff all over the world, traveling, uh, he had been, had a few third-place finishes. He was playing international tournaments, all this stuff. And Stephen sat there, and he's like, why would this guy make that decision? And so we just began to talk to him about how the enemy comes against all of us. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how great your life may seem or how horrible your life may seem. The enemy's going to attack you the same way, and that's with thoughts, imaginations, and speculations, and high and lofty things. And so I, I, I sat there and I told him, I said, Stephen, it, the enemy tries to convince all of us that our life is miserable, that it's not worth living, that there's no hope, that no one cares, it doesn't make a difference. I said, that's what he does to everyone. He said, yeah, but this guy had it made, Dad. And I said, well, and I took every single thing that Stephen said about this guy and I spun it. And uh, he, I said, yeah, he's traveling all over the world, but wonder when the last time he just got to spend time with his family was. He's been living in airplanes and hotels for uh, over six months straight. I said, yeah, he, he's a great volleyball player, but his best finish has been third place since he's actually moved up to the big leagues. He's not, a guy who's used to win in every tournament he enters, now he hasn't won in almost two years. I, I just went through the whole thing over and over and over, each, each phase of what seemed like the most amazing life for someone to live and showed Stephen how the enemy could turn that life and turn it into something miserable that made someone make the decision that it's no longer worth it. And see, that's what the enemy does to each and every one of us. It's all of whether we're going to use the weapons we've been given and tear those things down, or are we going to keep entertaining those thoughts that he gives us and keep building those spiritual fortresses for the wrong kingdom? 
So we know that a lot of you may be thinking, well, we all have crazy ideas or thoughts from time to time, so that's just kind of normal because that happens to everybody. And you are right. It does happen to everyone. We do experience these things, but that does not mean that we should put up with it. That's kind of the problem here is that we've gotten so used to a certain way of being that we think that's the way that it's supposed to be, and it's not. The Lord has, has been so good to actually show us what these tactics of the enemy are so that we can be those who have hope, so that that way we can show and share that hope to other people. We have this bad habit of wanting to blame everything on our flesh and just saying, well, that's just human nature. That's just the way that it is. Or, you know, that's just the way I've always been. Those are just really good fallout things to just give us a pass. But Paul says in Ephesians 6 and 12 that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against world forces of darkness and spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. So we're not just talking about the struggle against flesh and blood being other people, but we're even talking about our own struggle, our own flesh and blood. And the crazy thoughts that we seem to have, they're not our own. So we have to stop laying claim and ownership over them. Yeah, there's a difference between human nature and the sinful nature. Right. As the sinful nature, and it says in Romans uh, 8, it talks about dwelling on the sinful nature. When you dwell on the sinful nature, you're going to experience sinful things. When you dwell on the Spirit of God, then it brings life and peace and the things of the Spirit. And, uh, but there's a, the sinful nature ultimately comes from the enemy. That's not the same thing as human nature. If it's human nature, then why aren't kids negative? Kids are not negative. They have to be taught to, to be that way. They think they can do anything. They think just, just play them in a game. Even if it's a game that has everything to do with size and strength, they still think they can beat you no matter what. Uh, last week, I got a video uh, sent to me um, after service from Mackenzie. And... Uh, she likes for me to play this, th these games with her on Sunday mornings. Usually she makes the rules, which means that I have no chance of winning. <laughs> so, but she sent me a video, and in the video she's holding this racket, and she says uh, something about, uh, you're not here to play this game with me, but it really doesn't matter. I always score more points than you anyways. And that's pretty much her sweet little video of me not being here to tell me how it didn't matter if I was here, she was going to win anyways. That's how, that's how kids are, and that's what human nature is, is that we can do anything. We can accomplish anything. There's nothing that's too difficult. There's nothing that's too hard. It's a different nature when we start to build these fortresses in our mind that just say we're never good enough, we're never going to be good enough, and we're never going to make it. So it's just like what Heather said. The enemy tries to get us to entertain and agree with these thoughts, and when we do, brick by brick, they become evil fortresses. And the thing that, the, that's most sad about it is that we're the one that builds the fortress. He just supplies the bricks. We're the ones that do it. And it's time for us to tear down what we've been helping the enemy build and start building with God. Start partnering with Holy Spirit and building what he would have for us to build. Because the amazing thing is, like, I've watched Aaron and Mackenzie with their games and it's always really interesting. It's super entertaining. If you come before service, you might catch one. But sometimes Aaron will lie to Mackenzie to try to get to win in some way. But almost every time, if he does, she looks over at her dad. Is he telling the truth? She looks over at, she looks over at Jonathan like, eh, I don't really believe him, but because she trusts her dad. 
that's the whole thing that we're talking about, is that we have to get to the point where we can recognize the lies of the enemy because we know the voice of our Father and we know that the Father is going to tell us what's true and what's right and what we need to believe and what our thought processes need to be. <laughs> Jonathan is God and Aaron is Satan. Satan. <laughs> <In> this- <laughs> <laughs> but the point is true, is that we have to trust the voice of our Father. That's how we're going to learn what's true because we have listened to the voice of the enemy for too long. So that's what we're trying to tell you this morning and teach you. And so this kind of brings us to Nehemiah. And if you have a chance this week, read the book of Nehemiah. It's really, really good. I kind of breezed through it um, when I was younger and when we came back to the story. I mean, there's some really good truth in there and some ways that we can recognize tactics of the enemy. He's been doing this for a long time. So there's truth in the word that can kind of teach us and show us. Now, Nehemiah was a Jewish cupbearer in a foreign country, so his job was to taste test, basically, for the king to make sure nothing came to his lips that would, that would hurt him. And Nehemiah, his brother, came to visit. He told him the horrible things that were happening in Jerusalem. And Nehemiah, it just really struck him, and he, and he went, he prayed to the Lord, he asked for favor because he just felt strongly in his heart that he was supposed to go to help. Even though he was a cupbearer, he thought he could go to help in Jerusalem because of the walls being down and help to rebuild. Now, the next scene in the story just blows me away. If you remember the story of Esther, even Esther with her husband, she was worried about going and presenting herself before the king without him summoning her because at any moment, she could die if she was there for any other purpose than for what the king wanted. (laughs) And Nehemiah, he was so distraught, the king actually asked him when he came before him, Nehemiah, what's wrong? What's going on? And so Nehemiah shared his heart with the king. He told him what was going on in Jerusalem. And it's so beautiful because it speaks of a relationship between Nehemiah and the king. It speaks of intimacy, just of Nehemiah being a good servant. You see, Nehemiah was not playing the part of a victim in a foreign country. That's the thing is that sometimes I think that whenever we're going through something, especially if we feel like it's unwarranted or whatever we're going through, we want people to know that we're the victim. We want to play that up. We want, it, we want just people to know how horrible we have it, but that was not what Nehemiah did. He was such a good servant and such a good friend to the king that when Nehemiah presented his own problem to the king, the king jumped at the chance to be actually be able to help him, to partner with him to fix this problem. He took it a step further. He didn't just allow Nehemiah to go, not even knowing how long it would take him to be gone, but he actually wanted to send help and provision with him. He was such a good and trusted servant that the king considered anything he was going to be a part of to be a good investment. And so that's something that we need to remember as children of God. Sometimes the things that we are going through and the things that we're doing, we feel like it doesn't matter. We feel like those things aren't being seen, but they are. Every single thing that you do, you are building for the kingdom of heaven with these things that you're doing, even at your job, even in your family, in every relationship, and you have no idea what the king could be preparing you for. And so with the story of uh, Nehemiah, we're going to get into it more next week and develop uh, and, and go over some of the things of how we build. But you may be wondering what this has to do with the topic that we're talking on today, but the, the name Nehemiah actually means comforter. And so there's some, there's some powerful things here, and uh, his work of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, it gives us uh, a kind of a beautiful picture of the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, and he, how he works to restore the walls and the boundaries in our lives uh, when we come to know the Lord. 
and in the book of Ezra, um, whether you, I don't know if you know this or not, but the book of Ezra and Nehemiah used to be one book, if I'm not mistaken, and then uh, they, it was broken down into two books. And so if you go back to the book of Ezra, the first thing that they did was rebuild the temple, okay? But the walls were still down, and they were down for a while. And so uh, it's the same way with us. When we receive Jesus, the first thing that God does is he rebuilds his temple within us. We are the temple of God. We're born again. We're the temple of God. So God rebuilds the temple within us, but for many of us, our walls and our gates are still in need of repair. There's been some, there's been some things that we've been through, some things that have happened in, in, in life. Isaiah 60 verse 18 says, but you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Now, the Greek word for salvation in the New Testament is sozo, S-O-Z-O, and it means saved, healed, and delivered. So it's spiritual resurrection as well as total restoration of our bodies and souls. And so once we're born again and that temple is restored within us, that's when the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, comes along and he begins to build or to rebuild those walls of salvation uh, in our lives and those gates of praise. Uh, Chris Valton says in one of his books, the Holy Spirit rebuilds our walls of salvation by correcting our old broken patterns of thinking and establishing new strongholds of truth that bring health and strength to every dimension of our beings. As the Holy Spirit restores us, he trains our wills to choose thoughts, values, and behaviors that bring him praise. In the story of Nehemiah, the king actually gives Nehemiah letters to give to the leaders of the community to actually be able to help um, and give provision. And one of the that actually really kind of struck me whenever I was reading the story because the king he can he can do whatever he wants. So he had the ability to go and tell these to send a letter, send whomever with the letter, um, and tell them to help Nehemiah. But the king sends Nehemiah himself. So to me, that was a beautiful example of the king wanting to partner with Nehemiah. And that's what the king does for us. He has rebuilt that temple, like Aaron had said. He's rebuilt us. But it's up to us as far as guarding our gates. And I think that this is what ties in a lot with what Michelle shared last Sunday, Oftentimes, the things that we go through, our experiences or hurts or pains, certain things like that create little kinks in our gate, just, just little ones. But if things like that are left unattended, they get bigger and bigger. Um, we were at the volleyball court a couple weeks back, and we were all talking, and Michelle says, oh my gosh, is Op outside the gate? <laughs> I mean, and anybody who knows us, we are crazy about our dog, right? So I look, and yes, Appa is outside the gate. He's outside the volleyball gate, and Aaron's just on the phone. He sees him. He's good. But I looked, I went directly to where the <coughs> um, netting was around the volleyball court. I still couldn't see the hole. I still couldn't find it. I think it took Lily going and finding it. But the point is, is that Appa found that one little spot in the net that he could get out. The enemy has been doing this a really long time. 
If there's something that we leave unattended around the gate of our heart, around the gates of our minds, he's going to find it. So that's what we're challenging you to do because we don't want the enemy to be free to roam and, and, and leave things unattended. If we allow ourselves to be unguarded and lethargic in our choices, when we have not allowed Holy Spirit to correct our broken patterns of thinking, the hinges on our gates are going to be rusty and we're going to be unaware of the tactics of the enemy. It doesn't matter how beautiful the house is if we just allow anybody that they want to come in through the gate and loot. That's basically what we're doing. It's like, I know that my, my temple is full of splendor. Jesus, you are so good. You're so amazing. Inhabit my praise. But the next day, because of leaving something unattended in my spirit, anybody can come and attack me because I've left myself unattended. That's one of the things that we're challenging. We cannot allow ourselves to go back to that old way of thinking. We need to realize these tactics of the enemy, the, way that, the ways that he does come and confront us and try to kind of tweak those things and kind of realize if you're having a response to a certain scenario or something going on during the week that may be not be warranted to what you're going through, that might be a little place in your gate that needs to be attended to. That might be something that we need to focus on or allow Holy Spirit to do because God intends to partner with us to reinforce the gates of our mind and hearts. He's so good. He wants to help us build fortresses for the kingdom of heaven, but the key is he wants to partner with us. He's not going to do it for us. We have incredible favor. We are sons and daughters, but that's the thing. When the king gave those letters to Nehemiah, he basically gave him that stamp of approval. Here, show them. I've given you this favor. He had to take it and show it. It didn't matter how good the stamp of approval was if he didn't show it, if he didn't use that approval and favor. We have to act like we are who we know that we are. We have to live like we are sons and daughters and partner with the Father so we can walk in the authority he has for us. Yeah, when you think about this story uh, and how it applies to us with our lives, uh, it's, it's kind of, um, well, it can show us a lot because the walls have been down for over 50 years. Now think about that. They rebuilt the temple, but the walls have been down for over 50 years. And uh, I think when Nehemiah and them, when they did what they did, I think they rebuilt the walls, was, I think it was 52 days. That's actually all it took to, to rebuild the thing. And there's a lot of people that um, you would think that they, why would they let it go that long? But yet we do the same thing in our lives. We just say, oh, I'm saved. I accepted Christ. I didn't. But we know the shambles that, that's going on around the temple. They know the things that are going on. Yeah, you're saved. Yeah, you accepted Christ. But what have you done to build back the walls? What have you done to prepare yourself and to tear down those fortresses in your, in your life and build back those right belief systems that God wants you to have so that you can live the abundant life? How many years are we going to continue to let it go by before we actually just do what God has called us to do and allow Holy Spirit to do the work that he wants to do in each and every one of us. And so that's what we want to challenge you with this week is to give that some thought in your own life, nobody else, but in your, in your own life, and let Holy Spirit minister to you about that. And uh, I, I believe that God will begin to do some amazing things in each and every person's life. I don't know what shape the walls are in your life or the gates are in your life, but you do. Holy Spirit can reveal that to you and begin to work with you on, on building back those things 
Uh, I almost said, build back better. <laughs> we won't even go there. We'll just leave that one alone. But, but uh, sorry. <laughs> so next week, we're going to continue on with this, and, uh, and hopefully we're going to be thinking a little clearer next week. Well, I just wanted to also say, too, is that I think that the Father wants to get us to the point where we are not just physically in 100% health, but emotionally as well. It's like with this, with this sickness Aaron and I are dealing with, we know what normal feels like, so we know that this isn't right. This isn't, you know, this isn't normal, this kind of brain fog or the way that we're acting or the way that we're feeling. Emotionally, I think so many of us have been wrapped up in an emotional fog for so long that we don't even remember what normal feels like anymore. And I think that that's where Holy Spirit wants to get us. He wants us to be fully functional so that that way we can help other people. We, so we're not so wrapped up in our own stuff. And so that's, that's kind of what we're talking about this morning. So we can recognize the tactics of the enemy, see how he's trying to provoke us in our lives so that Holy Spirit can partner with us to make us 100% whole so we can start building for the kingdom of heaven. All right, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you. For your presence in this place, God, we just thank you, Lord, that, God, that you don't give up on us, Lord, that you send Holy Spirit to partner with us, God, and to, and to build those walls and those gates, Lord. I pray that every person in here would, would, would begin to build with you like never before. God, help us to use the weapons that we've been given to tear down the strongholds of the enemy. God, to take every thought into captivity, to pull down every imagination, every high and lofty thing, God. Lord, and that we would just begin to exalt the name of Jesus in all that we do. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you want to partner with us, God. So we just say yes to you, and we just ask you to lead us and to guide us into all truth and into all things, God. And we'll give you the honor and the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our Connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.